How many of y'all went to the car show? You know, I was a great car show. I had a couple weeks ago, um, week ago Friday, and I tell you what, I got here and I started seeing these cars pull in. There were some trucks I just really liked. And then I went over and I started looking at a, there was a GTO, just, it, it just was calling my name. It's saying, get in me and go fast. And uh, uh, as I was walking through and I came across this 66 Mustang, it was maroon, had a hang on air, four speed, 289, reminded me a lot of my first car, which was a 67 Mustang but with a six-cylinder, it, it wouldn't have been as fast. Man, I kept wanting, I really want these cars. Can I really, can, I want this car. And I want this car, and I want that car, and, and as soon as he wouldn't buy me any of them. And then Thursday night, my, my daughter Laurel um, really wanted Cindy and I to come over and see their, their new fifth wheel that they're living in, and her and Marcus, and uh, it was great. It, it, they live five, They work, both work at the airport in Fort Lauderdale. Marcus flies and Laurel checks people in and takes them through customs and all for this, this little airline. And uh, it's right by the airport, and right next to their RV park is a marina. So I went and walked through the marina, and, man, there were some beautiful boats with just wonderful lines, and there was liveaboard boats, and I thought, oh, yeah, we could do that. And then there was some really nice uh, fishing boats, that you could go out and, and I don't know if you realize, but Fort Lauderdale, you only have to go like three miles offshore and you're in really deep water catching sail and, and dolphin. And it, it just, it, I was ready. I was lusting after those boats. That in mind, let's turn to, to Matthew chapter 5. We're in the Sermon on the Mount and uh, we're seeing where Jesus is. He's, he is turning their, the world upside down. He is um, taking, uh, he is preaching to a multitude of people and, and he is taking everything they know and, and giving them a whole new perspective. He's giving them God's perspective on the, the rules and regulations they know. With that in mind, let's, let's, let's read starting at verse 27. The Bible says, Ye have heard that it was said of, by them of old time. There's Jesus, how he says, okay, this is the way it's been taught. Now I'm going to help you out here. Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right hand offend thee, I'm sorry, if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not thy whole body. It should be cast into hell. It has been said, whosoever put away at his wife, let him give her a um, writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whoso shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. Wow. I was asking the guys to pray for me this morning because this is a heavy duty message. Jesus is, is 
Wow, he's exposing some real difficulties we have in our life. He is talking, he opens up this thing and he says, yeah, it's been said that you're not to commit adultery, but if you look on someone with lust, you've already committed adultery. What Jesus is trying to explain and what he is, is explaining is that it's not just the act, it's the heart. It's the heart. We can behave ourselves on the outside, but if our heart's not right, if our heart's not together, we're in trouble. He realizes that, that all these difficulties, all this, this sin originates in the heart. Lust is that, uh, that craving which is forbidden. It's craving that which is forbidden. I've been on kind of a diet. For two weeks, I was very, very low carb. And I was kind of disappointed. I lost a lot of inches, but I didn't lose any weight. And so we went to see Laurel, and first night we went out to this really nice diner, and I got a salad. I was good. The next day, we went to a Cuban restaurant. I was not good. I got the breaded steak, and I kept looking at that, that, that oh, the black beans, the rice, the plantains. I didn't top it off with a Cafe Cubano because that just had too much sugar in it. And, but, you know, it's a little cup of coffee like this that's half sugar and all caffeine that wakes you up after you eat that big meal. That was forbidden to me, but I saw that on the menu, and I just couldn't, couldn't give it up. Craving that which is forbidden. And then it goes on. When you look upon a woman or a man, and here's where this lust thing turns into adultery, with the desire to use them for your own pleasure. It's not the look of, wow, that's a beautiful girl. I was probably bad when, when my son was young. Um, we would watch TV, and every time a pretty girl would come on, I'd go, I'd go, hot. And he'd start going, hot. Every time he saw a pretty girl, hot. Point to his mom, hot. She's hot, yeah. It's not, the, that, it's not that first look. It's when that look activates the mind and the mind starts having that desire to use that person for your own pleasure that's lust lust is a tremendous problem and the source of lust Jesus points out that the source of lust starts with our eyes but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already in his heart John, in 1 John 2.15, gives us some more instruction on this thing. It says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. You realize that this system... The, the, the system that we live in, the, the system that this governs this world is not God's system. It's Satan's system. It's the prince of the power of the air. And this world system is built to create in us a lust for those things that we shouldn't. 
You ever heard the, the, the saying, sex sells? Why do you see all those um, beautiful women, beautiful men, in all sorts of different ways of dress to sell a product? What does a woman running around in a bikini have to do with beer? You ever see a girl that drinks a lot of beer? Her belly's bigger than mine. <laughs> and what about those guys? Yeah, all those good-looking guys with all the abs that are drinking, on the beach drinking a beer? No, you don't see. That's not real. But it sure does sell, doesn't it? Sure does sell. What do good-looking girls have to do with cars? When I was in Bible college, I sold cars, and uh, I worked at a little car lot out by NAS Jacks. And all those Navy guys, they, they just came in, and they wanted to buy the, the most expensive, hot rod, greatest-looking car because they thought that their girl would come for their car. We said, look, man, you just need something to get you around. And no, 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 I want this. These, these poor Navy guys would buy cars, and after they paid insurance and gas, they couldn't go anywhere. They're stuck in the barracks. But you see, we live in a world that, that, that is governed by a sensual desires to, to, to increase that appetite. And, and by the way, it, it, it's nothing new. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Genesis 3.6 says this, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Wow. You see, it starts with the eyes. It starts with the eyes. starts it, it, it the eyes see something and then it it, 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 it evolves into a, a a fleshly desire and then it becomes the, the the pride of life I can do this this world system this that the evil one has power it geared to keep our flesh in a in a in our eyes in a in a state of, of desire for all those things that we can't have. My wife hates this story. We used to go to the mall when we were broke. Bible college students broke. And uh, she likes to go shopping. She doesn't necessarily buy anything. She just likes to go. And we go to the mall. Let me tell you something. That's at that time of life, for me, I don't go to the mall now. I just there's no reason. If I need to buy something, I can go. Actually, I can buy it online. I don't even have to go anywhere. Isn't that nice? But you go to the mall, and and, and that's just that's just a feed trough for the flesh. You think about that. You walk down the mall, and if you're a man, there's girls all over the place, and they're not always dressed right. They so, so you walk down looking like this. Or you try to look in the windows and you see all those things that you want that you can't have because you don't have enough money. 
Then if you're like me, you get by the food trough, uh, food trough, yeah, it's about the food court. You get to the food court, you're just all messed up. Listen, this, this thing of lust, it starts with the look. It, it, it generates into the flesh, and then you just have to have it. Sexual impurity begins in the desires of the heart. Jesus isn't saying that lustful desires are identical to lustful deeds. He's not saying that, well, since your ideas are just as bad, you ought to go ahead and commit it. No, he is explaining that the, that, that, that the desire and the deed, the desire provokes you to the deed. The look that Jesus mentioned was not, not some casual glance, but a constant stare with the purpose of lusting. It is possible for a man to, to glance at a beautiful woman and know that she is beautiful and not lust after her. But the man Jesus described looked at the woman for the purpose of feeding his inner sensual appetites as a substitute for the act. It wasn't accidental. It was planned. That look. That look. That look of desire. That look of using someone for your own pleasure to have something that's forbidden to you. The source of lust. Secondly, notice the severity of lust. Matthew goes on, Jesus starts talking about, well, if your eyes offend you, take it off, cut off your hand, it's better for you to go in. Then he goes on and he, and he, he gives you some, a few other things. He says, he, he, he says that, uh, um, he, he goes into a uh, divorce. He says, but I say that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her, that is divorce committeth adultery. Now, plucking it out and casting it away from you, Jesus is not talking about self-mutilation here. That's not going to cure lust, because lust really, it starts in the eye, but it's really fomented in the mind or in the heart. He, he's using this metaphor, this hyperbole, to demonstrate the seriousness of lust and, and of evil desire. The point is that it would be more profitable to lose a member of one's own body than to, to, to bear the external consequences of guilt from that sin. That sin that produces adultery. You know, adultery is a major cause for the destruction of the family. I come from a family, uh, my parents were divorced. One of the reasons they were divorced is that my dad was not faithful to my mom more than once, more than twice. He was an adulterer. Not just in the eyes, but he committed the act. It started with the eyes and it went on. That was one of the reasons. There's a whole lot more reasons and complications beside it. The point is, that lustful look turns to adultery Adultery turns into the destruction of the family. Our families are being torn apart today. They're being ripped apart. Divorce is as common today in Christian families as it is in uh, uh, secular families. In fact, in many cases, people aren't even bothered getting married. It just 
is all put together. Our culture, when the family is starting to be destroyed, when families are being ripped apart and trying to be put back together, it, it, the, the, it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse and our, dis, our, our culture becomes destroyed. You want to know what's going on in this world, why things are so messed up, why we see such strange and violent things happening? It's because the family has been destroyed. The family has been destroyed. And what does it start with? It starts with that, that lustful look. And the family becomes destroyed. Well, how do we take care of this? What do we do? What happens? What are, how are we supposed to deal with this, this, this thing that just so messes us up? Folks, if we're going to overcome lust, if we are going to, to overcome that, the, those adulterous thoughts that can turn into adulterous activities that can destroy families and destroy our culture, to overcome that, we must guard our hearts against lust. How do we do that? We have to guard what comes before our eyes. Matthew 5.28 But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. For all those in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not in the Father, but of the world. Psalm 101 says this, I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, I will sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave unto me. How do we get victory? We pure, by purifying the desires of our heart, the appetite that leads to action, the disciplining of the actions of the body, the eye <coughs> and the hand are usually the two culprits when it comes to this thing of sexual sins, and they must be disciplined. We have to watch. We have to be careful what comes before our eyes. What a world we live in. I mentioned that uh, adultery has causes a lot of problems in marriages and causes them to break up. There's a whole new form of adultery today. It's pornography. Internet pornography. It's rampant. Everywhere. Just saw a thing the other day. A 10-year-old child is being exposed to pornography and they are starting to sext. You know what that means? They send sexual things over text messages with each other. Gretchen goes, I don't understand that. I didn't have a phone when I was 10. No, you didn't. Some of you still don't really deal with cell phones much. But you have to understand that today, it's as the average age a kid gets a cell phone is 10 years old and how do they know about doing all these things well they're seeing it on television their parents are not being careful what they see because the parents are enthralled in watching those things not guarding their eyes 
used to be kind of shameful. You'd have to go to the store and buy a dirty magazine. Or they would, you could order them and they would ship them in brown paper. At least I'm told that. <laughs> there was a little bit of shame. You didn't want everybody knowing. You know what? You can hide it today. You can hide it. In fact, you can get almost anything you want right here. Oh, I can't. <laughs> I got it blocked. I have a thing blocked because I don't trust myself. I can't go to those type of places. I put a code in. I can't remember the code. I'll never get to go there on this phone. Isn't that a blessing? <laughs> you got to guard your eyes. You got to be really careful. And, and, and the lie you you have you please get a hold of this. This world system lies to us all the time, and one of the things that, that the lies of the devil is that you can handle it. You can't handle it. Don't let Satan confuse you with that. Let me give you just a little illustration of that. Not quite with the eyes, but let me tell you something that happened. My grandfather was an alcoholic. My dad grew up, and he told me some of the most horrible things that happened to him as he was growing up because of his dad's alcoholism. The things that he was, that he saw, things that happened to him. My dad said, that stuff will never happen to me. I can handle it. Didn't. It handled him. I saw and was subject to some of the most outrageous and horrible things because my dad became an alcoholic. And you know what? I said, well, it's got him, but I can handle it. And there was a point in time God said, no, you really can't handle it. That's a lie. Oh, I can just look at a little bit, and I'll be okay. No. Because a little bit just gives you more desire to, to have more. When I was in Jacksonville, uh, uh, there was a guy that I, I had met, and he was a friend of one of my bosses. Uh, this guy was married to a woman named Kim Alexis, and if you were from an era, you might have recognized that name. She was a supermodel. She was a, one of the most beautiful women in the world. And this guy cheated on her all the time, man. He ran around every girl he could find. None of them were as pretty. It didn't matter. It wasn't that he had the most beautiful wife there could that he can imagine, it was just there's not enough. See, that's what lust does. There's not enough. And when, and you, when you put something before your eyes, it, it's not going to satisfy you. That's the promise of pornography. You start with something, and then it goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on. And there's some of the most horrible things you can even imagine out there. During our, our mission conference, I got somebody coming in. They'll, they'll be here on the Friday night, and then they'll be here on the on Sunday with us. Um, Daniel and Lacey Toller talked about them. I, I really want to encourage you all to be here and hear these people. This is not, not like any other mission organization you've ever seen. It's called Rescue One. They're stationed, in, they're, they're kind of based out of Nashville, Tennessee, uh, right outside of Nashville. Um, they work, and they also are in Thailand and the Philippines, working with 
to stop human trafficking. And you know one of the things that funnels human trafficking more than anything is the pornography business. Pornography starts that. Young girls, listen to me, young girls as young as eight years old are being sold by their families in Thailand, in India, and the Philippines to be sent and to be used and abused. And it starts from pornography. Larry, you, you're in law enforcement, you know. It's horrible. I know, this is, a, this is a tough subject in here this morning. Let me tell you something, this world's difficult. But we have an answer. I want you to come and hear some of these things. You know why she got... Her father uh, pastored in, in Antioch and he has a, another mission organization called Compassionate Hope. He's retired now and he goes to Thailand, northern Thailand, and he goes into Laos helping the, the struggling church in Laos and they're building all sorts of, of orphanages and stuff in northern Thailand, taking care of these kids who are rescuing. They're rescuing. But somebody approached Lacey and wanted to buy her daughter. And that spurred this on starts from the lust of the eyes. we got to guard our eyes. If we're going to overcome these, these lustful things, if we're going to overcome this adulterous mindset, if we're going to overcome the, the, the things that destroy our whole culture, we have to be careful what we put before our eyes. That little kid song, be careful little eyes what you see. There's such truth there. It doesn't just belong to kids, it belongs to us. Secondly, we want to overcome this. We want to, to overcome these, this lust, this lust of the world. We have to reject the ways of this world. Reject the ways of this world. He goes and he talks about taking your eyes out in Matthew 29 and you're cutting your hand off. Romans 12 says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You have to reject the things of this world and accept the things of God and allow Him cooperate with him as he does a transforming work in your life and in your heart. First part of that Romans 12.1 says therefore. And when you see a therefore, and if you've been on Wednesday night, I know this is repeat, but I don't think you can ever get enough of this. Because of all the things, Romans chapter 1 through Romans chapter 11, because of all the stuff written there, you know, how that we're sinners and that we're condemned to sin, but Jesus came and he paid the price for that sin, but God commended his love toward us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us. He, he's given us the Holy Spirit. He's adopted us into his family. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. He talks about the promises made to Israel, that those, are going to, those promises are going to be kept, that God is sovereign. Because of all that stuff, it only makes sense, it's only logical that we serve Him, that we present ourselves as a living sacrifice. 
It's logical worship. And to do that, we have to cooperate with Him as He transforms our mind. We have to say no to this world and yes to His Word. You know why preachers always talk about read your Bible, pray. You see, it really, every sermon can be brought down to that. Read your Bible and pray. <coughs> Excuse me. Because God's Word, when you say yes to it, when you cooperate with God, when you allow His Word to, to work in your hearts and lives, and you say no to the, the, the system that's around us, you are transformed. You are metamorphosed. That's the actual word. You're like that, that, that caterpillar that goes into the, the cocoon and comes out a beautiful butterfly. And God has, is continuing to do that work in your life. The more you say yes to His Word, the more you reject the world, the more like a butterfly, the more like Jesus Christ you look. I've told you guys several times that, that after I got saved, I even got worse. And, and before I really just totally sacrificed and presented myself to God, as that living sacrifice, when I made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, that I would do anything He wanted me to do, I was a mess. I was saved, but I was a mess. And, but God kept working, He kept transforming. I'm so thankful for what He's done. I'm so thankful that my kids have never seen me falling down drunk, that they never had to pick me up and carry me to bed. I'm so thankful they never saw me and their mother scream and yell at each other. I'm so thankful they never saw their, their parents pull a gun out and, and threaten to commit suicide in front of them. It was because God did a transformational work in my life. He can do a transformational work in your life. We're going to overcome this, this, this horribleness of lust. We have to reject this world, its ways. We have to reject that and allow God to transform us. If you're here this morning, maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Listen. Here is the great news. We lost Billy Graham this last week, preached to millions and millions of people. And I saw uh, there's a little thing. There's a, there's a guy that nobody ever knew about who led Dwight Moody. You may have heard of Dwight Moody. He led Dwight Moody to the Lord. Dwight Moody led this next guy um, who led Billy Sunday to the Lord and then another guy that led Billy Graham to the Lord. And think of the millions of people who have been influenced by of Billy Graham. The good hope and the great hope, the wonderful message I have for you this morning is you don't have to be stuck in this. All of those things can be forgiven because Jesus paid the price for that. When he died on that cross, when he shed his blood, he paid the penalty. I know we say for the sins of the world and that is true. Let's make it personal. He paid for my sins. He paid for your sins. 
and then by calling out to Him, by accepting and by believing that, that He did that for you, that He was buried and that He rose again, by calling on Him and putting your trust in what He did, you can be forgiven. Forgiven means none of that will ever be brought up again. It's gone. You're forgiven. Then God starts that incredible transformational work that makes you look like Jesus. Here this morning, you never received Christ as your Savior. We do an old-fashioned uh, time here called an invitation. I know some churches have gone against, gone from that. Listen, you have an opportunity. You can come up here. We can talk to you. We can take God's word, show you how you can know for sure that heaven's your home. Maybe you're here and you've never had that that experience, or you've never just said, Lord, here I am. Do with me what you want. Present yourself as a sacrifice. Maybe you need to do that today. Maybe you need to be part of this church. You know what? There may be, you, some, God may be working in your heart on something that's totally different than anything I've talked about. But if you here feel something in your heart, there's something that, that, that you feel some sort of pull or something, that's God dealing with you. Be obedient to what he has dealt with you this morning. Let's stand. I'm going to pray and then we'll sing an invitation song. Father, I am so thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that not only does he forgive our sins, Lord, but when we cooperate with him, when we cooperate with you, you transform us. You change all of those ugly things that the world has tried to mold us into. Lord, you transform us into something beautiful and acceptable to yourself. Pray, Father, for those here. There's one that doesn't know your Savior. I pray, Lord, that today they will call out by faith and receive you as their Savior. Lord, if there's folks here who just haven't Surrender to do whatever you want to do, want them to do. May they do that today. Lord, whatever needs here, deal with hearts. May we be obedient to your prompting. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing a song.